Hey, listen, this morning we're going to have our kids' class, so our kids can be dismissed and they can make their way uh, to the kids' class this morning. So I know it's been a few weeks since we've had that, uh, but they can make their way that direction. And for the rest of us in here, we're going to be in Mark chapter number 16 for one final time uh, this morning. Turn over to Mark chapter number 16. Mark 16. Today, we conclude a journey that began all the way back on August the 2nd of 2020. That was a long time ago. A lot's happened since then. We've gone through a lot of things as a church, as a nation, uh, in individual lives in, in that amount of time. Uh, all the way back in, in uh, Mark, Mark chapter number 1, we, we began with the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And uh, what an incredible journey that it's been as we walk through the book of Mark. And now we come to the end of the book, the end of Mark, and uh, we're going to dive into God's Word here in just a few moments. Now next week, just so you know, we're not just going to like stop preaching next week, okay? And next week we're going to jump into a new book. Now I'm not going to tell you which one it is because I want you to be surprised when you come, but it is going to be in one of those books, kind of in the middle of the Bible, that have come to be known as the Minor Prophets. Now it's kind of funny, I heard a preacher say one time, the people that named uh, the, those books in the middle of the Bible, the Minor Prophets, had no idea what they were talking about because they may be minor prophets but they have major messages and so we're going to be diving into the minor prophets next week uh, one book in particular and I'll let you find out what it's going to be next week as we come together and as we uh, join again and we dive into the minor prophets now that listen here's the good news the minor prophets all of them are much shorter than the book of Mark okay and so that means we won't be in it hopefully Lord willing for a year and a half or two years like we have been with the book of Mark but I don't know about you I have so enjoyed studying it uh, this morning uh, as we were over in Sunday school and as I was praying, I just was thinking about Mark, and uh, whenever we're finishing, it's almost like saying goodbye to an old friend, uh, someone that uh, we've been, uh, been, been coming to every week and learning lessons from, and it's been such an enjoyable time, and uh, as we concluded, as we finalize it this morning, uh, finish this book, it doesn't mean that we're never going to come back to it, it just means that for right now, we are completing the study of the book of Mark. Now, as we get started this morning, let's pray and ask for the Lord's help. And then we're going to dive into God's Word together this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity you give us to be able to open your Word now. Father, I I pray that whether uh, it be the people here in this room or those that are watching online, I pray, God, that today each one of us, Lord, right now, would allow you to prepare our hearts for the message that you desire for us to receive. I ask, God, that you'd speak to us, that you'd touch my tongue, my lips, Lord, and help me only to say those things that you ask me, uh, that you want me to say. And, and, God, I pray that I would submit to that. And, God, that you would help us to be encouraged, to be challenged from this, these verses here at the big book of Mark this morning. Lord, we, we thank you for what you've done over this last year and a half or so that we've been working through. And, Lord, I know you're not done yet. I know that you still have so much that you want to do from this book, even today. And I pray, God, for each person that's here, that they would allow you to do just that. Lord, I pray that if somebody's here that doesn't know you as their Savior, that this morning they'd be able to get that settled. They'd put their trust and faith in you and you alone. And, God, I pray for each and every person here that does know you, God, that they would be motivated and challenged by the Scriptures this morning to make a difference in the lives of those that they come in contact with. Father, I look forward to what you're going to do. I give you all the praise and the glory for it. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, last week we saw the stone be rolled away as the ladies found Jesus' tomb empty. 
Well, it wasn't completely empty. There was actually an angel sitting in there. We talked about uh, how they must have screamed, how they were, uh, they, they were, the Bible says they were frightened uh, by the scene that they found. No body of Jesus and an angel, a person sitting inside of there. We talked last week about how that should, that wonderful part of the gospel, the resurrection of Christ should embolden us to be a bold witness for Christ. And now we come to the final 12 verses of the book of Mark. We find a challenge that extends some 2,000 years to us today. One of the things that I love about God's Word and the words of, of Scripture is that they're still just as powerful today as they were when they came from the mouth of the Lord Jesus 2,000 years ago. As we dive into these verses today, can I encourage you, allow the powerful scriptures that we're going to look at, look at, allow the message of God's word to transform your heart and mind today. Don't just let today be just another Sunday. Don't, don't just let it just be another work. Don't just let it be another message from the book of Mark and miss the final challenge from God's word that he desires for you to receive today. This week... God spoke to my heart as I was studying the scriptures, as I was preparing this message, as I was reading through these verses. God ministered to me, spoke to me in a new and a fresh way. And I hope this morning that you don't miss it, that you catch the vision, you catch the message, the challenge that God desires each and every one of us to get today. So for just a few moments, let's dive into this final lesson from these final verses in this incredible gospel of Mark written from the perspective of the Apostle Peter. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 9 in Mark chapter number 16. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared, to, uh, appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him, and as they mourned and wept, and they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared into an, in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Afterwards, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them for their, with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had, uh, which had seen him after he was risen. As we start forward this morning, we, we see first of all the unbelief that we find of the disciples. The Bible tells us that the first person, the very first person that Jesus appeared to after his resurrection was this woman named Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, the woman that the Bible tells us Jesus had cast out seven devils from her. She was one of the women that had made her way to the tomb of Jesus. And as she was there with the other ladies, I don't know if she went inside or if she remained outside or if she was inside and came back out. But the Bible tells us when she was standing outside, she was weeping because she didn't see the body of Jesus. Somebody had stolen that she didn't know what had happened to him. And as she was standing outside, she began just to simply turn away. And as she turned around, weeping, sobbing, the Bible tells us she saw somebody. She thought it was simply the gardener, the person that was taking care of the tombs, the person that was taking care of the things there uh, in, in that, 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 that grave site. But all it took was one word. For her to realize that this was no just simple gardener. Jesus looked at her and simply said her name, Mary. 
And with just the spoken word, right away she knew that it was Jesus Christ. That was the voice of her Savior. That was the voice of the one that she had come to worship. He wasn't in the grave. Why? Because He had risen. She was so excited and, and, and Jesus told her, said, go and tell the disciples. She made her way back to town. And the Bible tells us when she got to the disciples, she told them what she had experienced. I've seen Jesus alive. But verse number 11 tells us that the disciples believe not. They didn't believe her. Mark quickly turns the page and and jumps to another account, an account that we find more information about in the book of Luke. And and, and here in in Mark chapter number 16, it it tells us in verse number 12, after that he appeared unto another in another form, unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. The Bible talks about these, these two men that were walking on what we have come to know as the road to Emmaus. And and as they were walking, God's Word tells us that Jesus just suddenly kind of appeared and began walking along with them. And, and as He's walking with them, He begins to talk with them. And they look at Him and they're like, "What? Do you not know what just happened here? Do you not know the things that have just taken place? In Luke chapter number 24, verse number 19, we find the story. It says this, And they said unto them, He said unto them, What things? What, what happened? What are you talking about? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. Now the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Beside all this, today's the third day since these things were done. And they say, listen, don't you know what happened? It was Jesus of Nazareth. He was crucified. He was the one that we were following. We believed that he was going to deliver us from the Roman oppression. We believed that, that he was going to be the one that was going to redeem Israel out of the, the oppression that we are facing. He said, it's been three days since he died. Verse number 22, and yea, certain women also of the company made astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as so the woman had said, but him they saw not. He said, listen. We, 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 the, the ladies went, they, they looked, he, he, they didn't see anything there, but then they saw an angel that said that he was risen. They came and they told us, but, and so some of us went down and looked at, and he wasn't there. And just, we just don't even know what to think now. And so Jesus, I love what the Bible talks about. It says that he, he begins all the way back with Moses and begins to work through and begins to reveal to them the word of God. Do you understand the greatest revealer of the scriptures is God. I mean, he wrote it. The Holy Spirit can, can speak to your heart and to my heart individually from the Scriptures. That's why it's so important that we spend time in God's Word each and every day. Why? Because God wants to speak to each one of us individually from His Word. The first person that you can go to when you don't understand something in the Scriptures is not some preacher. It's God. It's God. Oh, listen, there's been so many times that I've read something and I've just said, Lord, will you just show me what this means? I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it. 
Listen, I, I mean, I'm a simple guy. I'm, I'm just from, I'm, I'm a simple guy from a small town in Indiana, okay? And now I live in Whitehall, Montana. Listen, I, I'm, just, I'm just a simple fella. Listen, and, and there's so many times that I've come to the scripture and said, I don't understand what this is talking about. Preaching through the book of Mark, there have been many passages that we've come to where I'm sitting there going, oh no, maybe we should just skip these. <laughs> We're going to do it a little bit later today. Listen, it happens. What's the first place that we should turn to? It's the Holy Spirit. God, will you reveal your scriptures to me? Will you show me what this means? Will you help me to understand? Jesus begins to reveal to these men the scriptures. He begins to explain to them everything that happened. And then he begins to talk about the message that he preached while he was on this earth. He goes back and he says, oh yeah, that Jesus that you're talking about, remember when he preached this message and he said that he was going to die and three days later he was going to rise again? And remember when, you know, a little while later he did it again? And a little while later, he did it again, you know, and, and, and over and over again. He told you that he was going to be, he was going to die, and then he was going to rise again the third day. Don't you remember that? And they're sitting down, they're eating, and all of a sudden, it's like, light comes on. And the Bible tells us their eyes were opened. It wasn't like they were walking around with their eyes closed. That, that's just saying, hey, listen, the, the light bulb finally clicked. And they looked over, and they're like, it's Jesus. And about that time, the Bible tells us he, he just disappeared out of their sight. Can you imagine? I mean, they're sitting there. The Bible tells us their heart burned within them. I kind of think they were sitting there going, we missed it. I mean, like, oh, he was right here with us. And this whole time, we, we didn't even pay attention. We missed it. Oh, he was right here. Oh, what an incredible experience. So what did they do? Well, the Bible tells us in verse number 13 here in Mark, and they went and told it into the residue. What's that mean? To the rest of the disciples. They went to, him, uh, to, to, to Jesus' disciple. Neither believed they them. Common theme here. Mary Magdalene comes. Ah, no, we don't believe that. These disciples come. No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's crazy. There's no way. So then we come to verse number 14. I mean, the stage has been set at this point. And Jesus says to them, Afterward, he appeared unto eleven as they sat at meat. And he upbraided them. Listen, okay, Jesus has been gone for three days. The last time they saw Jesus, he was hanging on a cross. Jesus' body was taken down, put in a tomb, sealed. That's the last vision that they had of Jesus. The last time that they saw Jesus. And all of a sudden, here they are in this room, and Jesus appears. And the first thing that he does to them, See, the Bible says he upbraids them. He reprimands them. What did he up- reprimand them about? The Bible tells us he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which that had seen him after he was risen. Now listen, I don't know if you're like me, but as I'm reading this and I'm studying this, I'm looking and thinking, listen, Jesus, the last time they saw you, you were on a cross. You died. I mean, it seems a little harsh for him to, you know, the first time he sees him to say, guys, why didn't you believe? I mean, come on. I mean, Jesus, I mean, these guys, they, they just saw you crucified. They just saw you die. I mean, can't you cut them a little bit of a slack, you know? I mean, this was a pretty traumatic experience that they went through. Their leader, the one that they were following, died, and, 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 and then you've been buried, and, and, and they haven't seen you for three days. And Jesus, come on, wouldn't you just give them a little bit of slack? No. Why? 
Well, the reason why Jesus didn't give them any slack, the reason why Jesus reprimanded them, was not because they didn't believe necessarily the word or the testimony of Mary Magdalene or those disciples. The reason that Jesus reprimanded them was because they didn't believe the message that Jesus had told them over and over and over and over again before he was crucified. You see, when they came to the disciples, when those people came to the disciples, when Mary Magdalene came to the disciples, she just came and told them the message that Jesus had already told the disciples over and over again, that Jesus told them he was going to rise again on the third day. But they missed it. Their unbelief was directly attributed to a lack of receiving Christ's words. A lack of belief in Christ's words. Friend, this morning, what are you going to do with this book? What are you going to do with the words of God? What are you going to do with the commands from the Scriptures? God's Word is not up for yours or my determination about which parts we choose to accept and which parts we choose to believe as true. If you think you are going to pick and choose the parts of this book that you will follow, you have a misunderstanding of how things work. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. If God's word says it, that settles it. We just simply have to obey it. We just simply have to believe it. This morning I could stand up here and I could begin to name various areas of the scriptures that, let's just be honest, so often Christians don't obey. Oftentimes it's simple things in the scripture that we just don't, we don't follow through on, that we don't believe, that we don't apply to our life. The commands of scripture that, that, that are so evident, so clear, that we just simply choose not to follow. I could stand up here and I could begin to name them, but I know this, the Holy Spirit does a lot better job of pointing out things than I do. Because I know how we are. Some would sit here and they would just get mad at me. Some would be at home and they'd be like, well, he's talking about me, you know? And, and, and that, that, that's, that's what would happen, okay? Some would do that. Others would sit here and they would say, well, he didn't mention my thing, so I must be okay, okay? That's the way that we would do it, all right? So rather than doing that, let, just, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Luke chapter number four, verse number four, it says this. Uh, Jesus says that, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Our life should be lived and dictated according to this book. Galatians chapter number five, verse number 16, tells us that we're supposed to walk in the spirit so that we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh, the flesh, the lusts of the flesh. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, this, this should be the, the clear one for us. Listen, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Listen, you do not belong to you, so stop making decisions like your life is yours to control. Stop making decisions like your life is all about you. When we make decisions in our life, 
It shouldn't be, what do I want to do? Our decisions should be made according to what would God have me to do. Coming to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to direct us in the ways that we go. The disciples thought that they could pick and choose what they believed from Christ's words. When he was on the earth and he would teach them different things, they would pick this out and they'd pick that out and they lived by this and they lived by that. And then Jesus would say something else and he'd say, I don't like the sounds of that. Jesus, you coming and dying and, 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 and all this, I don't like that. So we'll just, we'll just kind of sweep that aside and, and we, won't, we won't worry about that. We'll just focus on these things over here. We like the miracles and we like the, the, the casting out demons. And, and we like, we really like the Pharisees being called out, okay? We like those things. But these things over here, let's just put these over here. No, listen, friend. They thought they could pick and choose what they were going to believe according to the scriptures. And now Jesus stands before them and says, listen, you missed it. And you refused to live according to the words that I commanded you. And this morning, can I tell you, listen, in the church house, this is so true. We live lives of unbelief because we don't live according to the scriptures. We make decisions. Each and every day we wake up and we ask ourselves the question, what do I want to do today? And we don't live according to God's word. The Bible goes on in verse number 15. We really see the commission of the Lord. Familiar verses here. Verse number 15. And they said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. Jesus gives a familiar command in verse number 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Listen, we've heard this so many times that we don't even think about what's said. So we'll come back to it here in a few minutes, okay? But we get caught up on that next verse, verse number 16. Listen to what he says. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Oh, no. This just throws everything into, into, I mean, just a downward spiral. The Bible says that you have to believe and you have to be baptized to be saved. So clearly everything else is out the window. Ah, you know, listen, 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 okay? You got to compare Scripture with Scripture. You got you to look at the, the Word of God in a whole. You have to, this is why studying the Bible is so important. The emphasis here is not on baptism. The emphasis here is on believing. Why? Well, number one, we could go back and we could study in the Greek and all these different things. We could do that, okay? But let's just, let's just read the Bible. Because he tells us right afterwards, he doesn't say, but he that believeth not and is not baptized shall be damned. It's very clear. If you believe, you say, if you don't believe, the Bible tells us the consequences. Damnation, eternity, and the lake of fire. We like to pick and choose, right? Push the scriptures. You see, in the first century, baptism was just an expected part of those that were followers of Christ. When somebody got saved, it was just natural that they would get baptized. Why? Because they wanted to identify with Christ. They wanted to show the world that they were a follower of Christ. We've mentioned it so many times before. But baptism in the first century and many centuries thereafter was not done in the church house like we do it today. 
When we have a baptism here in our church, everybody gathers around the back back there. And, and I stand and somebody climbs down in the water. I stand back there and I say, this is so-and-so. They've come to be baptized. They trusted in Christ as their Savior. They want to show everybody else that they're saved. And so then we say, have you, have you trusted Christ? Yes, I have. All right, upon your profession of faith in Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Raise and we, we do that whole thing. And then everybody goes, woo We all clap our hands. Do you understand that's not how it's always been? It's very unusual. In fact, we might just stop doing that, okay? We might just start going to the river down here and doing it. That's the way that it was done in the past, okay? That, that's the way. I, w- I was baptized in a pond, okay? Uh, but listen, and, and this is how in the first century when somebody followed Christ, they wanted everybody to know that they were a follower of Christ. So what would they do? They'd go out somewhere, they'd find some water somewhere, and they would be baptized to show that they had believed in Jesus Christ for salvation, and can I tell you this? The people that were watching didn't stand by and go. <laughs> no, that person had a big X put on their back. Because now they were a follower of that deceiver, Jesus. That literally could cost them their life. But they wanted to show that they were a follower. So when he says, listen, then they believe. They're baptized. I mean, they're baptized. It just makes sense. That's what they do. Believe in and baptize. They, they have eternal life. They, they're saved. They, but they that believe not shall be damned. It's very clear. And then we get to verses 17 and 18. And listen, these are the verses that, listen, if we didn't preach by, verse by verse through the scriptures, these would be easy ones just to say, you know what? Let's just pretend like they're not there and just kind of skip over them, right? You know, these are the ones that, that preachers down through the centuries and, and down through the years and, and, and maybe my pastor I grew up with, I don't know, that he never preached on verses 17 and 18. Why? Be, because, oh man, you talk about creating some conflict and confusion. This is a great t- time to do that. I mean, I mean, if somebody can hear this and then they just, they, they, they'd go on a tangent. They'd miss everything. But instead, we're going to actually study the scriptures in the context and understand what in the world they're actually talking about here. Look at verse number 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Okay, here's what it is. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. All right? Now, if you're a true follower of Christ, that's what he's saying here. Okay? First century. If you're a true follower of Christ, here's the things that you're going to be able to do. Here's the proofs that your message is true, okay? This is what he says, okay? He says, first of all, now listen, just go ahead and you can just check off the boxes here, okay? In my name, you'll cast out devils. How many of you have cast out a devil recently? Anybody? Just your children, right? Okay, I've cast a few of those out, all right? (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Speak in new tongues. Well, everybody wants to do that. Come on. Speak in a different language. This is where you lose me, okay? Take up serpents, okay? Nope, not going to handle any snakes. I'm, how many of you are snake lovers, okay? This last week we went to, uh, uh, we, were, we were over in town. We were waiting on some, something, and, and uh, we, we went over to uh, the, the PetSmart. PetSmart, I think, is what it's called. And we took the kids in there, and, and uh, they, you know, and of course, what, where do they go to first? The snakes, right? I mean, there's snakes in there, snakes crawling around, they're looking. Jackson wasn't interested in the snakes. Instead, he found his way over to the mice. And he was like, oh, mouse, hey, mouse. And Tristan and I were like, nope, that ain't happening. <laughs> like, that's, oh, 
That's disgusting. <laughs> no way. I'm not a snake person. I'm not a mouse person. No. Okay. Only good snake and good mouse is a dead one. All right. They, they take up snakes. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Okay. And they shall lay hands on the sick. No, we like that one. And they shall recover. Okay. Listen, that, that's what the Bible tells us. That, that's the way it's supposed to be. Listen, everyone wants to cast out devils. Everyone wants to speak in tongues. Everyone wants to heal the sick. But a lot less want to drink cyanide and look a rattlesnake in the face while they're holding that. Okay? The, the point of these verses is very simple. They were apostolic gifts. They were given as, as proofs that the message that they were saying was, was true. To prove the message wasn't just some made-up fairy tale. But as the disciples would go out and they'd preach the gospel, that it would be true. How, you say, Kyle, how can you be so sure of this? Because the Bible tells us in verse number 20 at the end there, it says that they were confirming the word with signs following. The, the purpose of the signs, the purpose of the gifts were to confirm the words that they were saying. That was what the purpose of them were. So you come into to the book of, book of Acts and, and you find over and over again as they go to, to different places that, that the, the disciples, as they do miracles and things like that, as they preach the word of God, that, that after they would preach, they would do a miracle that would prove the message that they were saying, the message that they had, had, had communicated. They, they, would, they would go somewhere and they would tell some. I mean, just think about the message that they were telling people. We followed this man, Jesus. This man, Jesus, lived a perfect life. He never once sinned. And then he died physically, bodily on the cross. He was put in a grave. But then three days later, he rose from the grave and he was alive again. And then we all stood by and we watched him fly up into the sky and disappear. Like, can you imagine hearing that? I mean, like, you'd be sitting there going, these guys lost their minds. I mean, like, come on. I mean, you, you, I mean, crazy, right? But then they say, listen, if you need proof, let me show you this. And they would do a miracle that God gave them the power to do. And then the people would believe the message that they told. Why? Because they, don't have, they didn't have a complete book like we do. In fact, they probably didn't even have a copy of one book of the Old Testament to walk around with. They didn't have a, a, a group of manuscripts compiled together like we have today. No, they would stand and they would tell these stories and then they would do the miracles to prove what they were saying was true. God gave them these gifts so that the hearers would understand that what they were saying was not some fairy tale, but it was true. Now listen, we don't need sign gifts today. Why? Because we have all the signs that we need right here. We have this book. If you need a sign, open it up. It's right here for you. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter number 1. Peter says this, okay? Don't, don't forget whose perspective this is coming from in Mark. Peter's the one that tells Mark, Mark, write these things. Mark, after, after Christ ascended, before he ascended, he said, listen, I'm going to give you these signs that's going to prove that you do all these things. These are the signs that you're going to use to prove that your message is true. We come to 2 Peter, and Peter's talking again. And listen to what he said. 2 Peter 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Here he is. I mean, he's telling these people exactly what we just said. He's saying, listen, the message that I'm telling you is true. We were eyewitnesses of it. I'm testifying of these things. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice from him, from excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This voice which came from heaven we heard and when we were with him on the holy mount. So Peter goes back and says, listen, guys, let me give you some proof. I was there on the day when Jesus was on that mount of transfiguration. <laughs> we looked at it a long time ago in the book of Mark. There he was. They're up there on that mount. And the Bible tells us that a voice comes from heaven and says, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. You remember? It was, it was right after Peter had stood up and said, we should buy a, build a tabernacle for you. And we should build a tabernacle for you. And we should be, and I mean, he's just, he's just going through and th- casting on out all these tabernacles, right? And the Lord's like, Peter, shh, be quiet. This isn't about you, okay? Be quiet. And, and he said, this is my beloved son. This is about him. Peter says, I was there. I saw it. What an incredible experience. But listen to what he says next. Verse number 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto we do well, you do well to take heed as into light that shineth in dark places until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. What does he say? He says, listen, my experience was unbelievable. It was incredible. I was one of three guys that got to see it. It was amazing. But he says, if you want to trust something, don't trust just my experience. We have a book, a word of prophecy from this book, and it's more sure than any experience. Listen, friend, we don't need signs anymore. Why? Because we have the ultimate sign. A book, 66 books compiled together to tell us the story, the miracles of Jesus. It's all right here. You don't need an experience or a sign God has given you His Word. Jesus commanded the disciples to go into all the world, preach the gospel with a simple message in verse number 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And He promised to give them gifts to prove the message they they preached. Now as we come to these last two verses, I hope you don't miss it. Don't, don't, don't tune out these last couple. We're almost done. Don't miss it. The work began. Verse number 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Mark just cuts right to the ascension of Christ. I mean, he just, just much the way that he was in, uh, throughout the entire book where many of the verses start with and, 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 and. I mean, he just constantly go, 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 go. He, he just goes right to the ascension of Christ. Praise God, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is on the right hand of the throne of God today. Listen, God's word tells us that what is he doing there? He is advocating on our behalf. 1 John chapter number 2, verse number 1, he says this, My little children, these things have I written unto you that ye sin not. Don't sin, John says. But if you sin, if any man sin, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Listen, this is so cool. When Jesus got saved, we know, not when Jesus got saved, when Jesus died on the cross and you accepted him as your Savior, what happened? He paid for all of your sins, past, present, and future. But how does that work in the future? I mean, like, what's that? 
I'll listen. He's our advocate. So what happens? I'm going through my day and, and, I, and I'm, I'm going through some, and, 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 and something happens and I get upset and I, I snap and I say something. I know none of you guys ever do this, okay? But I snap and I say something harshly to Teresa and, and I said, okay? You know, it's the way, you know, it happens. Here's what happens. This is so cool. When that, when that happens immediately, Jesus Christ in heaven goes to the Father and says, oh, yeah, he sent again, <laughs> again, <laughs> and again, and again. Listen, you see my hands? They're, they're pierced. This, this is the sacrifice. This is where I died. He says, listen, this, this was my blood that I shed to pay for, for that sin. And, and he trusted in my payment. And so I took care of this one. He's our advocate. That's what he's doing for us. What an incredible thing that is, that Jesus Christ is our advocate and he's advocating for us. That's awesome. That is awesome. I hope you don't miss that. That that is so, so cool. So the Lord's there. He ascends up into heaven. In Acts, we get further information about this event after Jesus ascends into heaven. We see that the, the Bible tells us that the crowd's standing there. They're all just staring up into the sky where he just went. And in Acts chapter number 1, the Bible tells us, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing? What are you, what are you looking at? <laughs> this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. What were they saying? Stop looking. Stop staring at the sky. There's work to be done. You got to get busy. And so I love what verse number 20 tells us in Mark chapter number 16. And they went forth and preaching everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Listen, this is so cool. I love this. Don't miss what it says in verse number 20. The, the great commission that God had given in verse number 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. For the rest of their lives they went out fulfilling the great commission. They gave their life to the command that God had given them to fulfill. But listen to what it says here. The Lord working with them. Oh, this is great. It wasn't their job to save anyone. It wasn't their job to come back with a certain number of salvation decisions. They didn't have to have a bunch of decision cards filled out of all the people that they saw saved. That wasn't what God told them that they had to do. Their job was to go and to preach the gospel and praise God where they went. The Lord was working with them. He was with them. He was empowering them. He was going with them. I've got great news today. It isn't your job or my job to win anyone to Christ. It's not your job to convince someone to get saved. Your job and my job is to give the gospel to all the world. And when we do, we've got the Lord working with us. When we hand out a gospel tract, the Lord is working with you. When you talk to your family about Jesus, the Lord is working with you. When you invite someone to church to hear the gospel, the Lord is working with you. Friend, the purpose of your life is just like the disciples. The purpose of the disciples' life from that day forward was not to go out and make money. 
The purpose of their life was not to go and to live comfortably. The purpose of their life was the gospel. And friend, can I tell you this morning, the purpose of your life is not to make money. It's not to hunt and to fish. It's not to go shopping. It's it's not to have a large following on social media. The purpose of your life is not even to be a good mommy or daddy or, or a good spouse, although all of those things are okay. The purpose of your life, listen, is not to go to church, even though we should. The purpose of your life is to glorify God. And you cannot glorify God if you are not obeying his final command to give the gospel. COVID has has given so many Christians an excuse to stop obeying the simple commands of scriptures. Listen, Christians were not, were not obeying the scriptures before, but COVID was like the big thing that was like, oh yeah, now I got something that I can just point to. Every time the preacher says that I should do this, I can just be like, oh yeah, but COVID, okay? I mean, it's just, you know, I can just, oh COVID, oh COVID, oh COVID, look over here. I mean, it's, it's kind of the big thing that, that we've been able to point to. And listen, I'm not saying that we should be unwise and do dumb things, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is we must stop living our life Like the purpose of our life is to simply arrive safely at death. That's not what we're supposed to do. And there's a lot of Christians that have fallen into that trap. And they're thinking, I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to witness to anybody, I'm not going to talk to anybody, I'm not going to be involved, I'm not going to do anything, because I'm just so afraid that I'm going to get sick, or I'm going to, this is going to happen, or that's going to happen, or these things. Listen, friend, it's not the purpose of our life. The purpose of our life is to glorify God. The purpose of our life is to reach people with the gospel. To take the word of God to every creature. We've become so inward focused here in America that we are now valuing our safety over the commands of scripture. This last week, a friend of mine, he's a missionary to Taiwan. I was talking about him, and, and, and things are different in Taiwan than what they are here. It's crazy. He was telling me about, listen, if, if, if he or his wife or somebody contracts COVID and they test positive, they are taken away from their family, put in isolation for 14 days. That's, that's the way that it works in, in Taiwan. He said, Kyle, he said, I, he said we've, we're like crazy fanatics. He's like, we're stocked up with all kinds of stuff because he said, we, we're just... We don't want to even, we're not even going to get tested if we're sick because I'm not going to get separated from my parent or my family. I'm not going to, my kids aren't going to be taken away from me. So there's no way. So I wouldn't do that. A lot of fears that surround their ministry there with the possibility of China overtaking the country. If you've watched the news, you know that that's, that's an imminent threat and it's probably going to happen at some point. Fears of what will happen if they choose to gather with their church against the laws of the government. He said, Kyle, I, I don't, so it's a hard decision. He said, trying to figure out that line of where the government says we're not allowed to meet together because of COVID. And he said, but I know I'm commanded in scripture to meet. And he said, at some point, we have to make a decision whether we're going to obey God or we're going to obey man. And he said this to me, I, and I told him, I said, you, you have, you've ministered to me, you've challenged me. He said, Kyle, 
he's got two kids. Two little kids, about the same age as our kids. He said, Kyle, we're ready and willing to give our lives for the gospel if that's what it comes to. And we have a hard time deciding if we're going to come to church. (laughs) Us. I mean, just think about that. Here he is on the other side of the, the world, and he's saying, Kyle, we, we're, we're trying to decide if we're gonna, what we're going to do, and obviously we don't want to just flippantly do it, but he's like, if it comes down to it, you know, we're willing to give our lives for the gospel, and we wake up this morning, we're like, oh, man, I kind of got an ache in my back. I think I'll just stay home, you know? I, I mean, we wake up, and I, I know, I'm saying this because you guys are here, okay? It's the ones at home that need it, okay? You know, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, listen, uh, it, I mean, that's the way that it is, isn't it? Why? Let's just be honest. Because it's about us. It's about our comfort. It's about how I feel. And it's no longer about this book. Friend, we've gotten so away, so far away from the purpose of our lives that we can't even begin to understand what it was like to be these disciples going into their world without so much as a page of Scripture. We have the whole Bible. We can't share a single verse with someone else in our daily lives. Romans 13, 11 says this, in that knowing the time, that now is high time to wake out of sleep. It's time to wake up. Why? For now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. You know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, you are closer to meeting Jesus today than you've ever been. You understand that? Listen, from, from the time you were born until you know, the end, you're dying every day. I know, it's grim. Okay? It's not something that we like to think about. But, but listen, your life is going to end. Okay? They're not going to come up with, with a, an immortality potion or whatever for you to drink and you're going to live forever. It's not going to happen. Okay? We're all going to reach the end. And we're closer today to the end of our life than we've ever been. Don't you just love this? This is so much different than Joel Osteen. Okay? So, but <laughs> listen... I want, you to, I want you to get it. Listen, and so what does he say? Wake up. Wake up. Stop living for yourself. Stop living in comfort. Stop doing just what you want to do. He says, wake up. Your, your life is coming to an end. Your life, it's, it's a vapor. It just appears just for a little time. Listen, wake up. Get busy. Get going. Give the gospel. If we cannot be stirred to share the gospel when it's easy, why in the world would we think that we will do it when things get hard? And I'm telling you right now where we're living, it's easy. It's easy. We must stop living our lives for ourselves, and we must decide that we're going to live for something bigger than us. To live for the thing Christ commanded us to live for. Give our life. For the gospel. In 1894, Amy Carmichael made her way to India with the desire to win souls to Christ. She worked hard to learn the Tamil language and to acclimate to the unfamiliar lifestyle she was now in. Many young women and ladies were attracted to her and they would come to, to, to her sanctuary from the temples where they were forced to serve as prostitutes. Many times the families of these girls and, and, and other ladies would come looking for them and because they considered it a great shame to convert to Christianity. For the lucky ones, they would be shunned, while others would be tortured and murdered. 
This didn't detour Amy from taking them in in hopes that she could not only give them a home here on earth, but could introduce them to a home in heaven. Before long, more and more girls began to show up at her doorstep until the number was over 50 in her home. Amy's mission to the children of India lasted over 50, or lasted 55 years. She wore the traditional sari. She dyed her skin with coffee and tea bags to try to blend in and endured the hot, dry Indian atmosphere. In 1931, she had an injury from a fall and her back and her hip were badly damaged. So much so that she would never fully walk again. For the last 20 years of her mission, she directed everything from her bedroom. Over those 20 years, she wrote 16 books about the missionary work in India. When she passed, on January of 1951, no gravestone was planted at her request. A loved one of hers went through a collection of photos from Amy's years of ministry in India. And when they did, they discovered that she did not have a single picture of herself. Every photo was instead a memorial to the good things God had done in her world and in the worlds of those that she gave her life for. James 4.4 Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. What are you living for today? What is the purpose of your life? Are you living so that someone will know your name? Are you living for selfish fulfillment? Are you living for comfort? Those things aren't wrong, but if you're living for them. If there's anything other than God's glory and his gospel that you're living for. It's the wrong thing. We must choose today to live where this all began. In Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That is what we must choose to live our life for today. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed this morning as we finish our service. We're going to take a few moments here, and if the Lord has spoken to your heart this morning, I want to give each and every person an opportunity to respond to Him. As I was studying, as I was preparing, the Lord so spoke to my heart, convicted me so deeply. He pointed to my life and He said, Kyle, there's, here's some areas that you're living for yourself. You've gotten your eyes off of the main things. Friend, this year, in 2022 at Whitehall Baptist Church, my heart, my goal, is that we wouldn't be a church that's concerned with our comfort, our fulfillment, but we would be a church that's consumed with taking the gospel to our world, to taking it to the town of Whitehall and and Twin Bridges and Sheridan and Butte and Three Forks and all the communities that are around us. To reach out into the uttermost parts of the earth through giving to missions. This morning, 
Where is your attention? What is your focus? What is the purpose of your life if it is anything other than God's glory and His gospel? We've gotten off track. This morning, let's ask the Lord to help us to put our attention where it needs to be and serve Him the way that He desires for us to serve Him. With heads bowed and with the eyes closed, the music's going to play, and I'd encourage you to respond to the Lord this morning. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, let's stand together. Father, bless now this.